0: force.com page, which had all these funny little cartoon characters all over it, and I was uh. like, well, <laughs> I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe... That- Hello,
1: and welcome to episode 125 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is the marketing, and the F, it's well, you decide. As you're probably wondering, does the world need another epic marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott. I'm no rock star, but I've picked up a thing or two over the last 20 years on my tour from techie to CMO and trusted advisor. And each week, I chat to the true rock stars, my fabulous guests and chums, and share with you some marketing street knowledge that I hope will inspire your inner rock star. Come say hello. We are Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn and proud members of the Marketing Podcast Network. This episode was recorded on Friday the 29th of July 2022. Thanks for joining us. I hope you've had a good week. And you are well, safe, and staying as same as you feel you need to be. On this week's episode, Jeff Clark is back in the marketing studio. I chat with PR expert and vice president of Next Tech Communications, Michelle Anderson, and we wind down the week in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar with a thought from Robert Rose over a cocktail. But first, we need to play the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment.
2: will be right back.
0: We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
2: You heard her. Go subscribe.
1: On to our first segment, The Marketing Studio, with Jeff Clark. Jeff is a sought after advisor, an experienced marketing leader, and former Forrester Serious Decisions Research Director. This week, we plan to brand. Welcome back, Jeff, to the newly rebranded uh what the studio. It? Oh yeah, the, the the studio, the marketing studio. <laughs> right. So there's something we need to work on there, doesn't it? The brand. Yes. Um, brand resonance, specifically the brand resonance in the host of the
0: podcast. Well, and you want to make sure that your brand is memorable. Yes. <laughs> so if you can't remember it. <laughs> There might be a problem. <laughs>
1: All right. Anyway, welcome back, Jeff. And it sounds like we're going to be talking about brands and yes. more, since I need to learn something about it in the marketing studio. This needs a, like, a little jingle, doesn't it? The marketing yeah. studio with I, Jeff Clark. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll work on that <laughs> so I can
0: come in with a little... Da-da-da-da-ba.
1: Yeah, get your guitar out. The marketing studio with Jeff Clark. Okay, so, uh, so Jeff, uh, th- last week uh, we chatted about um, the kind of branding fundamentals, really, didn't we? And we do love a fundamental.
0: Yes, fundamentals around naming, in particular, naming company or products or services. Yep. That's right. And we covered off the fact that, particularly in
1: B2B, where you put your focus, whether you put your focus in your products or your brand. So anybody who missed that, I'd encourage you to go back and listen. Jolly good show. Um, And this week, uh, we're going to dig into the process of, if you are looking at how to name, uh, if you are going through a brand naming Activity, yep. right? What sort of process should we go through on this? And surprisingly, I mean, you think, wouldn't it, wouldn't you, that it's very, it's not very often that you actually go through a brand it's, naming process. But actually, in my career, I've, I've done it this a number yep. of times because it, it's not just your brand, but it's also the product yep. stream, or it could be a solutions package, or it yep. could be your support or your professional services. I mean,
0: very often we as marketers are creating these little brands. Yeah, and actually, we? you know, I. I mean, you've been in product marketing roles. I've been in product marketing roles. That's probably where yeah. I was most involved in the naming process mm-hmm. um a little bit in more of a corporate marketing role um but uh yeah. but yeah and it's it's um you know it and you certainly want to include a broad range of stakeholders in 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 this process mm-hmm. which we'll get to but uh but yeah. yeah yeah so so and
1: uh because I pay attention to our preparation I understand that and we love five steps, that we have five steps for your brand naming process. Five. Correct? Yes. And it's not because then I can say things like five effing steps. I mean, because <laughs> you could say four I mean. effing steps. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Or we'll to six, work on that one. six anyway. sexy steps or something. Yeah. <laughs> so we got five steps. Uh, so and we, get, we need to name something. Uh, we need to give something
0: a brand. Um, where do we start here with so you. where you start is understanding the resources you have to work with because I think that the mm-hmm. um and this I mean this is kind of true anytime you get into a you know campaign planning or marketing planning or strategy session, it's like yeah. what what am I what am I working with? And the thing that's that's um you know unique about a naming process is that one you want to have access to whatever your country's uh, trademark uh office is in the United States. Mm-hmm. We have the US Patent Trademark Office, they, they're they the ones that handle, if you're trying to register any kind of a brand name, You know, they're the ones you go to. Um, you want to, and you may want to have a legal team help you with that. I know when I was at a couple mm-hmm. of uh, global software companies, we had uh, internal intellectual property legal staff that handled anything that had to do with patents trademarks naming and and, mm-hmm. and and they were particularly good when if you're a global company and you're thinking about okay I may eventually have to apply for this I'm in the US I may eventually have to apply for this in the UK or you know the eurozone mm-hmm. or Australia or whatever um, they become particularly helpful sometimes if you're a small company like the companies one of the companies I'm working with right now where we're trying to trademark something that we've been using for actually you know like 15 years or so, um, then yeah. we go to an outside counsel that, that, uh, you know, that does pass and trade trademarks, you know, intellectual property law. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you go to them, you want to, they, they'll want to know. So do you, do you, what, what product classification are you, are you doing this for? Because obviously right. you, you come up with a name that somebody in a restaurant business might, might use, but <laughs> you're in software and it's like, who cares? Um, but, yeah. uh, but that'll be one of the things you want to have defined and understand going into the process you may want to bring in a creative agency but sometimes it works mm-hmm. sometimes it it's it doesn't or sometimes you don't have the money but I know the my first couple of forays into brand naming and product naming we did use an agency um that you know was kind of a nationally well recognized agency yeah. that that helped with branding naming and and i I certainly learned a ton from them so if you've got the yeah. resources, bring them on board. Uh, and eventually we'll get to this, but eventually you'll, you'll want to have a brainstorming team. So identify Mm -hmm. who are your stakeholders, uh, you know, people that may, you know, want to have an opinion (laughs) or, or, or when you name this and they'll go, what the hell were you thinking about? Uh, you (laughs) want to make sure that they're involved in the process.
1: Right, right. Is there any danger there of losing something? Sometimes when you have like a committee trying to do something, I mean, just I, a thought there. I
0: mean, that's always the challenge, isn't it? In yes, and, and, and absolutely. Um, and I think a couple of the steps we have coming up will help you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, prevent there being a danger from you know commu- committee think, whatever mm-hmm. you call it, group think. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And um, but but it's obviously something. You know, you you, it it needs to have alignment, you know, because it has to do with a brand. So therefore, it has you yeah. have to be aligned with with certain key elements within right. the organization, or otherwise, it's not going to fly.
1: Right, right. So that's number one. So we are, we've sort of corralled what resources we have. We haven't done anything yet. So when you're talking about USPTO, or maybe I'd think about we need to check whether .dot the coms there yeah. and that kind of stuff. We're not doing any of those things. We're just making sure identifying.
0: What resources we have once we've kind of decided on this brand, or how we decide Correct. on this brand. So what's what's step number well, two? S- step number two is build the creative strategy, your brand strategy that's mm-hmm. behind what you're trying to name. So what's whether it's a product, right. a service, or let's say you're you're getting started as a new company, or and you're either trying to you know create a new brand name for the company or rebrand to mm-hmm. to a, another name. Um, you definitely want to have a strategy. And this is, I think, one of the things that, that helps to uh, prevent uh, the downsides of groupthink is that, you know, let's make sure we get on a piece of paper. Uh, you know, it may be a couple of pages or whatever, but it, it should be concise. It's like, okay, what yeah. what are the who's, – who's the audience we're after here, and what are the needs that mm-hmm. we're trying to address? So, you know, who's yeah. the audience who's driving decision-making? You know, what are their needs? You know, what what's the – you know, what does the product or service we're providing solve? You know, you want to be very clear about that. And and again, we want everybody to to agree with that. Um, You want to take an input about what's, you know, what's the company's, you know, brand vision, if it's articulated, if there's a mission or vision that's already been articulated, that's like, let's plug that in. Um, Let's at least assume for this point that we're not re- Drafting those that those are things that are yeah. that were done in another process that we're bringing them into this process. And then who's your yeah? And in the oh, past, go ahead. hang on, just just on that.
1: In the past, you you and I have talked about brand attributes, haven't we? About what it is that people think about yeah. us or we want people to think about us. Is that is this what you are talking about in terms of articulate your brand vision? So. It's well understood, and that would also help with this. The putting some guardrails around this creativity, right? Is that somebody may come up with a really goofy name? You're like, really goofy isn't one of our <laughs> yeah, brand attributes. Right. You know, what I mean, we're yeah. we're we're straight laced. We're this. I mean, it might be that you're goofy. It depends. It I mean, could you're be selling a kids yoga or something like that. Then maybe. Yeah. But if it's a financial services. Um, solutions package, yeah. then perhaps goofy isn't the way it goes. Well, so, it's I,
0: yeah. I'll, I'll just a, a quick sideline on on that on that point because yeah. one time I I interviewed yeah. with a um a company and actually I I, I, will, I won't divulge who they were because I can't remember who the company was, but they showed me something. <laughs> they were kind of in the U.S. arm of a global company, and they were like,
3: yeah. you know,
0: look what look what our our you know creative services team put together, and it was a very yeah. you know they wanted my opinion on it, it was a very cartoonish. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, depiction, uh, illustration, or whatever that was part of some campaign or something like that, and they were like, Mm -hmm. you know, is that what we really want to be? And then, and then, very soon after that, I looked to the new Salesforce.com page, which had all these funny little cartoon characters all over it, and I was Uh. like, well, (laughs) I don't know, you know, maybe maybe that wasn't a bad idea. Anyway, that's definitely a sideline. But yes, yeah. And so Mm. when you're um when you're certainly thinking about your your brand vision and mission you would want yeah. to bring into that any any kind of research that's been done about what people, you know, think about you and and think. you know is the brand yeah. vision and and yeah. things you've been articulating your attributes are they are they what the yeah. the market views or are you off on you know you're on a, yeah. uh yeah, that's what we'd like to be but that's you know but that's not exactly what we are today <laughs> aspiration because yeah. it really comes yeah. important with the with another part which is well who's the competition and 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 as mm-hmm. part of this you want to be able to develop kind of a unique value proposition statement that it's like you know we the you know the company are mm-hmm. providing this product and this product yeah. you know is in a mar- in this market against these competitors and here's our unique value proposition yeah. that's one of the things that's kind of a summation in your creative strategy because it again it's going to encapsulate in a statement what mm. what when you start going through the ideas of brand names and stuff like that you got to bring it back yeah. to that and say does that really does that sound like something that really you know fits to the value proposition we think we have
1: yeah so that's the that's the why you and that's the interesting thing isn't it sometimes with these conversations is you're trying to fit into a category so that people identify you in the right category but you want to be differentiated in that category so that's really that why why you why choose you you know against your competition that, that, yeah. that's it so what else have we got to think well, about well, the, in terms the other of thing is that is strategy? that
0: you know you may have um both, we always term mandatory so so are there mm-hmm. you know Certain obviously, uh, if it's a product or service, you know, are there certain colors uh, as we're depicting yeah. it, you know, typefaces, visual treatments, and stuff yeah. like that? Is there something, you know, that's important we need to pull from an existing brand? Is there, are right. we going after something that we would want a unique URL for most products in yeah. a business to business? You know, you really don't care about that because it's, 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 you know, it's a sub sub yeah. url to your yeah. own corporate brand but you know if you've got a real big campaign mm. that is going to have unique landing pages and stuff like that you know thought leadership or whatever yeah. then you may want to make sure you're you've got that in in hand plus you don't want i mean
1: it might not be something you'll use in your web strategy but it might be you won't prevent people from
0: squatting yeah. it, right so and if that's you've come that up with would be another reason to, um, yeah. Yeah. To, uh, to yeah to try to take ownership of that
1: all right. So those are the first two steps. So we've looked at what resources we have available. We're then building that creative strategy, or hopefully pulling together resources again of something we've already defined, yeah. hopefully, right? But so so pulling together that creative strategy and then
0: what's the third brainstorming. Step? This is kinda this oh. is like the, <laughs> the fun part. Um, and uh-huh. You know, we kind of referred to this earlier. I mean, you want to think about who are your stakeholders. I mean, if I'm in product mm-hmm. marketing, do I have somebody from product management? Do I have somebody from you know sales, communications, mm. uh, and um, you know? So who and and you want people in certainly for brainstorming. You, you know, you kind of think about core mm-hmm. groups and extended groups. So there's people who you're going to have involved in the in the process, and then there will be people who maybe need to be informed. So like, it's always right. tough to get somebody from sales to be part of a process like this. But you might be able to get somebody from sales operations or uh, training yeah. or something who's well, core group, yeah. but then they've got to inform yeah. the rest of you know, the sales I, team about what's going yeah, on. In, yeah, in B2B,
1: and I might be slightly biased because I come from a, a pre-sales background myself, but I think many good product marketers um, start there career in 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 pre-sales yep. because you're you that's when you first learn to tell the story about your products you're you're often creating demos you're on the you're on the you're on the cold face of that. Now, when you say brainstorm here, and then you're talking about people's different roles, it almost sounds like a racy model, like these are the people that are responsible for coming up with the ideas. These are the people that are going to be accountable. These are the people we need to inform. And these, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Is it like that? Yeah, you can. So when you say brainstorm, you don't mean get everybody in the room at the same time, you mean there's a core group that to come up with the ideas, but eat, but they need to be socialized in a responsible way around some key
0: stakeholders. Absolutely. So, yeah, because your yeah, core yeah. group, you're going to sit. And so what I had done is, is um, yeah. you know, had like do three meetings of, you know, where you've got yeah. an hour. And certainly part of the first part of the process is, you know, here's the creative strategy. And so is everybody on yeah. board with the creative strategy? Hopefully you got that yeah. input beforehand. And then <laughs> yeah. and then it's like, okay, let's come up with names and throw them on a board. And uh, yeah. And then at the end of every session, kind of pick, you know, you know, yeah. rating and pick the top uh, candidates so you bring those forward mm-hmm. to the next session. And and ultimately, at the end of the last session, you'd say, okay, we, we went through three sessions. We came up with, I'm just mm-hmm. going to pull a number on the hat. We came up with five or 15 names. Let's narrow that mm-hmm. down to a small list of candidates that we can start to mm-hmm. – uh, and you know, start to vet, and this is actually you know my mm. step three. <laughs> you know, is yeah. as you may see, is going into a little bit into step four, which is selecting the leading candidates. And the reason to kind of think about right. this as a separate step is that you know you want to make sure that you're 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 picking names that are um that are some that communicate something to your customers. And there was a. Mm-hmm. a uh, you know, a quote I ran across when I was doing some little bit of research on this is, this is a great brand name is not just something that looks cool on your business card or fun to say it's it's great. And it isn't great because you like it. It's great because it communicates something to customers. So keeping it like simple and, and easy to communicate, particularly if you're a company yeah. that has to deal across various languages. Uh, one of the things and mm-hmm. in... in um, Actually, I'll hold. I'll hold my comment to when we get into the next step. But it's like, you know, you <laughs> yeah. want to make sure that that you are creating something that communicates around whoever that audience right. is, however broad that audience is in terms of, you know, languages, yeah. uh, markets, you know, uh, yeah. you know, positions yeah, in the yeah. customer, so, etc. So, so that quote there, I'll include in the show notes. Who is it from? It's from Katie French, who wrote a mm-hmm. uh, a, a blog about this on Column Five Media. Okay, I'll take a look at
1: that and add that to the show notes. So, so far, we've got all our resources together. We've built and shared the creative strategy. We've done the brainstorming. We've selected our leading candidates. What's your fifth and final step? fifth and
0: final step is to vet your brand name. Mm -hmm. Uh, And as I I say this, this is actually the the steps to get to the brand name, and then you've got to obviously go through and implement uh, the uses of it. But it's like you've got to be able to vet it, um, customers, Focus groups, depending on how important it is, um, mm-hmm. industry analysts. I mean, I've found industry analysts incredibly helpful in providing feedback because, mm-hmm. you know, you've doing, done your work on what the customer needs are and who yeah. they are and the competitors and your di- differentiation, blah, 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 and you've come up with all this. Well, your industry analysts have done all this the same type of work for different purposes. So if you say mm-hmm. something to them, we think this should be called, you know, ABC, yeah. and they go, Whoa, where, where where did that come yeah. from? Now, yeah. you know, it should be said that you can't, you know, one negative comment, whether it's from a customer, whether it's internal, no, exactly. whether it's from an analyst, mm-hmm. you, you've got to look at the totality of feedback. You you, you shouldn't just take one yeah. piece I've, of feedback and yeah.
1: And, and I've I found with these kinds of discussions, and I'm going through some of that again as through my my CMO day job, is people are very good at. C- and it's often with all sorts of strategy things. People are very good at coming up with the edge case, yep. aren't they? But what if this thing happens? And it's like, you know, you've got to be able to have the capacity to discount some of the negative feedback, the edge case and stuff, and, and just try and, and bring this thing forward. The interesting thing I think as well about that engagement of industry analysts is is they, because you're going to need to take them through this process, right? So therefore, you end up having a conversation about your brand attributes with them, about your product strengths with them. There's no harm in spending more time with an industry analyst discussing your product and yeah. service, is there? And, and, and also, they think that they're being invited in oh, the tent, absolutely. and they like that too. So it's an excellent way to engage. Absolutely. With, with and, analysts, and then, and then yeah. they'll give
0: that feedback when they're talking to customers who, yeah. are, who are getting advice from them and saying, Yeah. You know, we're interested in certain solutions and and they say, boy, you know, uh, you know, ABC company is really they're developing something I think you'd find interesting. They may not divulge what names and stuff are, but it's like they've now they've gotten (laughs) the inside scoop. So it's always helpful to that.
1: And they've really thought about it and they've got some expert help on board. I.E. me. (laughs) (laughs) Analysts, never never mind um, being um, being name-checked in that way. They, 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 they have a little ego sometimes. I a, little? Both yes. of us a little? So yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so those are the five effing steps to brand naming.
0: <laughs> and, and the, the, um, the, the oh, fifth step, if necessary, would or sorry, the sixth uh-huh. step, if necessary, sixth. would be if, if you're creating something unique and you need to now file yeah. it with a trademark office, then you go yeah. ahead and, and file it. But if you're, if you're creating something that's – even though you've gone through this process – and but you're going yeah. for something that's descriptive, not yeah. unique. Then that is not yeah, necessary. Yeah. Uh, that may not be necessary. Well, your advice last
1: week was to go descriptive.
0: Yeah, so, for products, yeah, products a, and services are best yeah. descriptive. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, I did forget one piece of the agenda at the beginning. I didn't really ask you how you were on while I press record, or oh, how the weather is. How's the weather? <laughs> it is. Um,
0: it is. It's it's hot but bearable. Um, mm-hmm. We here in uh, in New England have had some hot weather, uh-huh. but it's um, it's not as bad as the rest of our country. So um, we're thankful yes. for that.
1: Jolly good. And here it's been fairly similar, just normal summer's day, nothing awesome. crazy. All right. So the third agenda item, um, you need to come up with a song that matches these five effing steps. Or well, I up came with?
0: up with the song yeah. "Pride" by u Two. Um, you mm-hmm. know pride in parentheses in the name of love so it, you know, you want to have yeah. pride about your brand it's you know and and its names now the song happens to be about martin luther king but we'll put that aside because it's just a great song and <laughs> and, yeah. and, and it's got, name, and it's in the got title. name yeah and so so therefore it it works as well as it has to um but
1: yeah it's a great song Ah, oh, that's going to be my pleasure. So we'll play out with Pride in the Name of Love by U2 from 1984. Love that. That is an absolute classic. And we're, we're hitting the 80s classics,
0: aren't we, every week? <laughs> yes, we've, 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 we've slunk back into the 80s.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much, Jeff. And will you be in the Martin studio yes. next week? Excellent. Well, I look forward to it, mate. I'll see you then. Okay, sure. sure.
0: In the name of love.
1: Thank you, Jeff, and another 80s classic there. Pride in the Name of Love by you two, of course, from 1984. And if you'd like to chat with Jeff, get in touch and include all his links in the show notes or drop us an email at hello at rockstarcmo.com. Right onto our guest. Michelle Anderson is a marketing communications professional with a career spanning more than 20 years that started as a music publicist, working with Lawrence Welk owned Vanguard Records, and evolved through working with consumer technology brands from the dawn of the internet, a stint in philanthropy, and now deep into the next iteration of technologies like IoT and Web3. As you'll hear, her work and career have been led by her passions, almost always involving music and technology. Michelle recently joined Next Tech Communications, a women-led agency born from the Bliss Group, as vice president. I enjoyed chatting with Michelle. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome, Michelle, to Rockstar CMO
3: FM. How are you? i'm doing great ian thank you i'm so excited to be here and and, uh talking with you on the podcast so
1: yeah no it's great to have you and um we know each other for a little while because you keep recommending great guests to me so this is excellent thank you very much and where are we talking to you today michelle
3: i am in san francisco and it is weirdly raining even though it's like 90 degrees in the rest of the on the rest of the planet if not 100 (laughs) so
1: <laughs> Well, um, you seem to have picked up on our obsession with the weather on this show. So well done. I think we're going to get along. Um, so for people that don't know you, Michelle, tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Um, oh, well, basically, I'm a marketing communications professional, which sounds way too um, like overdone considering I'm kind of like a rock and roll PR person. Um, and that's why I instantly related to your show, because I'm like, I am so rocked that, um, <laughs> that this appeals to me. <laughs> but yeah, yeah so 20, 20 years of marketing communications experience um, and mostly in technology, some in music in the very beginning. But um, it's been it's been a wild ride because everything is developing. All the technology is developing exponentially. And it's, mm-hmm. it's always a pivot and a shift as uh, as I move through um, my career.
1: So. Yeah, yeah, and um, you've just started a new role, haven't you? Um, so, so
3: tell us about this new role. I did, and um, I, it is so cool. Well, I'm, I'm, I've been recently named vice president at Next Tech Communications, and uh, this is a new PR agency that works with the marketing teams at um, at technology companies. It was born from the Bliss Group, which uh, I think is fairly well known for its financial, um, for its financial and VC um client communications. And um, what they did was they spun off a technology division with um headed up by this woman, Janine Severis, and she is amazing. Um, and I've only been there a week, but it's just um having the Bliss group and their guide their guide rails, um, their onboarding, everything has been um amazing and um really just just a, a really together company and the team members are amazing and wonderful so I, I'm thrilled to be here
1: yeah splendid and, and it sounds like next tech focus on tech so by their name right yeah so,
3: yeah cool. so' it's, it's really focused on um, you know like we we do some financial and VC stuff but it's in relation to verticals and um, and as the verticals are maturing and using the digital marketing channels much more um, you know we need to have more of a tech uh, technology focus. Um, added to uh, the the accounts into what um, their businesses are doing
1: yeah and you mentioned just a moment ago and I love this because so many of our guests have some musical connection and it (laughs) seems they gravitate towards Rockstar CMO so what you started you said you talked about starting with music but you were a former DJ weren't you?
3: Um, yeah, I um I, I started DJing at, at our college radio station, KXLU in Los Angeles in college. I knew I the first thing I would do would would be to march up to the radio station and start DJing because I've been DJing um, music for people since I was like six, um making them listen to things that I loved and it was always ingrained in my in, in my whole life. So um, so the the first job I had though this you'll get a good laugh out of this was with the Lawrence Welk group. So Lawrence Welk was my first employer. He was still alive back then, and um and I was I was brought in to work with Vanguard Records. Um, and I had decided I wanted to be in the music industry, and I was a communications major at um, Loyola Marymount University. So that started everything, and I went in. And I built their communications, their internal communication systems, working with the marketing and sales teams, um, and their computer systems and databases um, and materials and um, everything. It just sort of blossomed from there. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah.
1: And, yeah, and you, you've had a you've had a fabulous career, and it sounds like maybe the answer to my next question is in that sort of transition from music to marketing, but. You've had a fabulous career and you, you started with a well-respected agency in, SF, in San Francisco, as you were just saying. So what inspired you to get into marketing in the first place for, from, from your time at university? Um, I college. think it
3: was, was because when I was um, in college as a communications major, we were studying, I, I was studying media. And, um, and what I recognized at that time, because I was promoting clubs like dance clubs and, um, and promoting music on the radio. And what I realized was um, all of the different marketing channels um, were just very, it was just very interesting to me. You know, I could get music out by, um, you know, by being a DJ on the radio. Um, I could go see bands and then tell people about it afterwards. Um, And and, and knowing all of the different mass media communication channels just really, I don't know, that stuck with me and it influences me to this day. Um, that there's tv there's radio there's and and now we have you know the internet and and beyond so it just sort of came it was a natural evolution I feel like I was probably kind of entrepreneurial um which led to a lot of solo work um independent work yeah I'm gonna ask
1: you about being independent in a moment but I also know from our, our chats that um that music and marketing came together at Yahoo, right? You when you were working there. Um,
3: yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I was hired at, you know, it was basically one of the best agencies in the world. Um after, you know, after I kind of I wanted to get into technology. I wanted to get out of music because the digital um, you know, the Napsters of the world were starting to um to be born. And what I saw in the music industry and the reason why I didn't want to continue there, why I wanted to go into tech was because they were limited in their in their uh, vision of what this would end up being. And I knew that they were going to ultimately fail the artists at that point. So I started getting into technology and they hired me because I had the publicist and music background. So I started working on music technology through them. Yeah. And and didn't you
1: who did you work with at Yahoo wasn't it Oh yeah so I was
3: working with the, and and they were my favorite they were my favorite marketing group that that I've ever worked with the Yahoo marketing Yahoo's marketing Groups um, and I worked with almost every business unit there, and the product marketers and all of that. And they were probably the best. um, You know, they they were so good at their at marketing. And um, so I got to work. For example, I worked on Yahoo Entertainment, and my favorite project ever was the Weezer tour. Mm -hmm. Um, And Yahoo, um, it was called the Yahoo Out Loud tour with Weezer. They ended up providing the platform for them to sell like, you know, half a million tickets in the, um, for a national tour that sold out in minutes. And I got to um, tell Rivers Cuomo that he had to let the Rolling Stone photographer, you know, into his dressing room to take photos or else. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. And how did that go? Um, I, I, he he acquiesced eventually. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you, so you, so it's been so so far your career there's a lot of music here there's a lot of um a lot of marketing going on as well a lot of pr um if i focus a little bit more on the on the pr side for a moment what do you think makes a good partnership between an organization specifically the marketing organization and pr i mean it, it's it's I mean, we've had people on the show before and, and, you know, I'm going to talk to you about what you want to throw into the Rockstar CMO Swimpool in a minute. And somebody said, oh, yeah. get some PR on that. Right. It's a very misunderstood discipline. So what makes a great partnership?
3: Well, I think it's understanding the point um, from from the marketing perspective of when it needs to go from like grassroots, you know, the stages, the marketing stages that they decide when it needs to go from grassroots. And through social media and through influencers, and then um, PR is not necessarily the first way to go for the marketing team. Um, If the to be a good partner, you know, and I come at it from a PR agency perspective because that's what I've always, um, almost always done, is from the agency perspective. And we have a lot of clients that don't understand PR, don't understand how it fits in the overall marketing mix, and they think they know and. You know, being a good partner is listening to our counsel. We have 20 years, you know, or more, sometimes 30 in in tech communications. And we've seen companies come and go. So, um, you know, what somebody at Real Networks once said to me, though, very condescendingly, he said, um, <laughs> you know, PR is just the redheaded stepchild of marketing. Wow. And, uh-huh talk about like slapping me in the face um but um so i set out to prove him wrong and and in my mind i was able to because you know i have a line into the ceos for counsel on their vision um oftentimes more than even the cmos do
1: yeah 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 so 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 what so what do you think is uh, so what's the magic parts that we need to put together so clearly PR has this kind of, and also PR has changed a lot over the years, hasn't it? So, what do you think is the essential um, synergies that we need to work on as a marketing team working with a PR agency?
3: Well, I think it's uh, the marketing team, um, and it, it's got to be the the whole company though, and understanding the market how how they can use PR in the marketing mix, and not being abusive to agencies, and thinking <laughs> that, that the only purpose of a PR agency is to get them stories, because. What we do is we provide counsel, we run brand, brand sessions and we provide, you know, sort of the, like counsel on their image and their vision and all of that. And um, they need to and I feel like if they at least listen to the PR agencies and understand that they are a big component um, and can help the marketing teams immensely um, and not just treat them like a publicist, like a story generator.
1: Right right so PR is no longer just the well I don't know whether it ever was but it should not be considered just to be the distribution channel it's actually part of the part of the sort of building that brand strategy the 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 stories that you want to get told before thinking about the channel that you're going to tell it over right
3: yes and we often have a very huge influence some of the most strategic people I know um they 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 talk about communications rather than PR Um, because oftentimes it's internal with the teams and advising, um, advising companies on, um, on, you know, where, where they fit within the industry or how to blaze a new trail, um, and, um, you know, where to go with that, especially, and, you know, give them a heads up of like, these are the obstacles, have the vision to say, these are the obstacles that we're encountering in the market. And these are how we can position you to overcome them or be a leader or, be a part of the, the, we used to call it the, the horse race, you know, when, yeah. when it was the search engines with Yahoo and ask. Um, yeah. The, so,
1: yeah. So, so really you're, you've got your finger on the pulse of the zeitgeist of what's going on so that you can help people jump into those, those particular topics or stories or needs in the market as well, they come up. Right.
3: Yeah. And, and, from my right. position, I do it by um, analyzing media um, and um, and, by by having a, a finger on on the pulse of what is being talked about in the news and and what the analysts are saying um sometimes people forget that the analysts are um a really important part of the whole um of the whole mix because they will uh, they will advise you on your your product um per se um in the same way that p r can do it and come from a more um you know, I guess, credible perspective. Yeah, and I,
1: I see that as one thing, to be honest with you. If I'm putting together a marketing team is influencer marketing or influencer relationships, PR and AR, really, you're trying to achieve many of the same objectives, aren't you? You're trying to influence somebody or trying to get somebody to pay attention to you to tell your story, right?
3: Yeah, and and one of the things about analyst relations that have changed a little bit is because there are more digital channels, and I and I won't go too far too deep into that because it's a whole another conversation, <laughs> um, and we will okay. have
1: that conversation. <laughs> okay, good, good,
3: because um, because I I, ha- I have my opinions about all of these things, yeah, um, yeah. but with the analyst relations, they they are often acting um, a lot like media. Um, because they're doing more blogging and um, they're doing more briefs they were always quoted by media but now they're doing more proactive from my from my view and my opinion they're doing more proactive communications on their own of their opinions and their findings so what you say what you used to say to the analyst for example that was off the table this is background is not so much happening anymore um, well it's just part of the
1: value isn't it that a tech vendor can provide an analyst is they're they're looking to feed off those those sort of anecdotes from customers and the things that support their point of view and i also think it's interesting there where you're saying that analysts are becoming media companies i mean Isn't everybody becoming a media company, you know? So yeah. yeah, I mean the expertise you have there is 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 much needed. So um go back to your career. I got a bit carried away there about the relationship (laughs) to marketing PR, which I think is so essential. Um but a big chunk of your career, you've been independent and you've done fractional roles. And it seems to be something that we're hearing a lot about now. That the marketing teams need to be made up of, of fractional folks, and a lot of people are choosing that as their career, and it seems to be a It seems to be related to the COVID theme of things that we're talking about. A lot of people have decided to go out on their own and and do stuff. So, for people that are listening that decide to do that and you've got that experience, what advice do you give to people who want to go independent?
3: Um, Well, the first thing, you know, my first reaction was, you know, don't do it. But,
1: don't do it.
3: (laughs) But um, because I like being associated for me, I've done it uh, for many years and it was partly because um uh you know the, it's 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 hard to answer this. Why did I do it? um I, I was just entrepreneurial, and I wanted to create my own path in terms of of other people doing it. you have to be prepared for um the back end. You have to be a credible source for these people and to be able to prove that a lot of times we are the cobblers who have no shoes, and you have to be able to <laughs> um to tout yourself and make your own shoes right. um, so you need to do
1: p r if- on p r
3: <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. and um and you also have to be prepared though and this is the the, the bitch of it is for things like billing paying quarterly taxes mm. and um and dealing with the IRS and um buying your business equipment and dealing with the internal organization of your own entity Um, because, and be your own tech support and all of that. And sometimes that's what, and getting new clients and, um, you know, and, and filling all of the roles for them. It's really hard. I was working with, um, for a while, I was working with a lot of British tech companies and, um, I found myself working around the clock and sleeping every, you know, like for two hours at a time, um, because I had to do absolutely everything. I just don't recommend it. Um, unless... (laughs) Um, but some people just don't want to be chained down or accountable and, um, and that's understandable as well.
1: That was not the answer I was, I was thinking I would get. I thought that that there would be like, yeah, go for it, kids. but Don't don't do it. It's hard.
3: (laughs) Well, let me just say this though. I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade that time for anything. And, um, the growth that you can achieve during that time. It's, it's just it's not for everyone
1: yeah yeah
3: and you yeah. have to be re- a really entrepreneurial assist- a person in order right. to do that
1: very cool all right well i'm gonna wind up to our last question then when hopefully uh, you'll like this question a little bit better than that last one <laughs> we have a regular feature on the rockstar cmo called the rockstar cmo swimming pool our portal to marketing hell for all the overhyped trends bs and snake oil from this marketing industry we love what would you like to see chucked into our pool
3: um uh, OK, so <laughs> I'm going to get in, I may get into trouble for this um, because uh, these are the I, best kind. I know. <laughs> um, I, I'm all about throwing, you know, I want to throw the TV in the pool. I want to destroy yeah. hotel rooms. Um, yeah. I've, I've done it. I've done it before. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but, um, OK, Facebook meta um, and my friends at work there will probably kill me. But um, here's here's my beef. Um, you know, I've seen uh, surveys that I don't think they're out yet, but Facebook is still the number one marketing channel. So you have to pay attention to it, but branding themselves as meta. So I, it, maybe it's more than I'm complaining about the, the branding, uh, branding yourself meta is akin to calling yourself the ocean. Okay. Yes. So there's more than one metaverse out there. There's going to be multiple metaverses and we have to look at interoperability and um and i think fa- facebook is pushing the metaverse down our throats in terms of using that particular channel as part of your overall facebook strategy and i think it's too soon um i think that it won't have credibility until it grows until it grows more but um naming yourself you know meta is I just feel like there should be a law against it, isn't there? <laughs> I think that I think the problem
1: with, with Facebook, isn't it? There's so many things there should be a law against. Their name is the last in a lot of people's list.
3: <laughs> I know, but I always think about I always think about the branding because that's what I hear about. Though I yeah. hear I hear a lot yeah. about that. I hear a lot about the metaverse and um, and what's going on there. And I have a keen interest and I'm watching it um, from a marketing perspective. But I'll tell you, um, can I tell you a secret before? Um, we, oh, nobody's we listening. Logo, um, that people don't realize that <laughs> NFTs, um, which are, people are laughing at them because of the board ape, ape debacle and yacht club debacle, NFTs are one of the new marketing tool marketing channels. So. Um, a well, way yeah. of engaging with audiences.
1: Well, I mean that and the digital, um, the disruption of digital on PR. I think two big topics there. We should have you back on. For,
3: All right. For both I would of those, love Michelle. to talk more about yeah.
1: those. No, so that's been splendid. And a new sort of feature that I don't usually do with the interview, but um, as a former DJ, I can't deny you. I understand that. What is it that gets your marketing mojo working? What song should I share?
3: Oh, um, the the band the Black Angels, a US band, have a new single out. I'm promote, totally promoting them and I'm not being paid to do so. It, <laughs> and it's called Firefly. All and right. it's an amazing song. And I think that um, it's pretty universal, has a very universal appeal. So. good.
1: I'm, I'm going to play out then with Black Angels Firefly. Is it like from now, from like this year, 2022?
3: Yeah, probably just a few wow. weeks.
1: Wow. That's, that'll be the newest song we've ever played on this show. I can tell you that for sure. Right. Awesome. Thank you very much, Michelle. Um, and when people spin the dial on the interwebs, where are they going to find you?
3: Um, LinkedIn is the easiest place to find me, and I am—I um, have an open door policy, so feel free to contact me.
1: Splendid. And you're—you're you're Michelle Anderson, the VP of Next Tech Communications. And I look forward to catching up uh, catching up with you again, Michelle. We have got some great topics there. Um, have a great weekend. I'll speak to you soon.
3: Thanks so much, Ian. This was fun. Cheers. Thanks, Michelle. Make me
1: Thank you, Michelle. And that was a little snippet of Firefly by Black Angels. Michelle and I actually met as she introduced me to some fascinating folks that I've chatted with here. And I thought, actually, we need to get you on the show. Great story. And we will have her back to dive into PR in future episodes. I will, of course, include all her links and to Next Tech Communications in the show notes. Right. It's Friday evening. Time to wind down from the week in the Rockstar CMO Virtual Bar, and join my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, Chief Troublemaker at the Content Advisory, for a cocktail and a marketing thought.
2: Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, and and welcome to, goodness gracious, the Noisy Bar (laughs) this week. (laughs) I, I think you've got something, some sort of tropical, like is it a hula kind of dance, kind of a, <laughs> it's a whole like the drums going on and the, the folks and pull out, you know, it's a whole. It seems to be like a luau that you've got going on here of some kind. Um, it is just, it's just, you know, it's quite the quite noisy i'm 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 glad we're here it feels like a party um
1: yes well uh, you know we like to be agile here and and test and 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 try different things every week and um not quite sure yet what a Luar is, but yes, we're doing one. <laughs>
2: That's right. That's exactly right. Um, good luck with trying to find some of the sounds for that. Uh, I've just uh, assigned you a little bit of homework assignment for the production yes. of the show. Yes. Um, yes. We do have a lovely drink. Um, it continues to mm-hmm. be warm uh, where I am. And so I'm still in the mood of, of summer drinks. And I've just been to a restaurant this last week. I am a huge fan of Cuban food. Um, and, and I absolutely adore it. Uh, and, um, I'm a, my, my favorite is the Cubano's sandwich, um, which is just absolutely delicious. And I, I went to a Cuban restaurant this last week, um, and it reminded me of a great, wonderful rum drink, which of course is the classic mojito. Um, And so we want to make a mojito tonight for us, uh, which is just a classic, wonderful drink combining. So we're going to do just regular old white rum, this unaged white rum, uh, some lime juice. And then, of course, you've got to have the muddled mint, right? So we'll get the muddler out of the bar and we'll muddle up some (laughs) mint leaves. And again, Uh as you've heard me say so many times, there is usually sugar involved here. But I find that you don't need the sugar to make it as sweet the rum makes it sweet enough but if you want to put a little bit of syrup or a little bit of sugar into the drink you know certainly that uh makes it sweet and it's a classic mojito that way very refreshing wonderful um i just basically double my rum instead of putting in sugar but you know that's totally Mm. up to you um (laughs) and it's just a wonderful caribbean tropical drink um and fits very well with our little luau theme here yeah
1: yes Yes, and um, I love, I like Cuban food too, I've ages since I've been to a Cuban restaurant, it, what's the, stu- is there like, um, like red, it translates to red clothes or red rags or something, I don't know, I can't remember what the dish is, but I do like a bit of Cuban as well, lovely, anyway, I'll attempt to make, I've probably got that completely wrong, haven't I, I don't know. I'll have to look it up, but I'm going to, um, I'm going to start with some ice, and uh, and I'm going to look at the ingredients on my desktop bar and select uh, Hendrix gin. I think this is the most, the closest and uh, the most yes. English of all of the, uh, all of the rums. <laughs> Nice. I should have rum on my desk, shouldn't I? But yes, that's that a little bit of that. And then, what are we putting in there to make a mojito? Did you
2: say uh, there would be a little bit of muddled mint? So you get the you have to break out the muddler, mint. which I'm sure you have very mm. handy. Um, yes. And um, look for that, yes. And then, of course, um, the uh, the other part of it is, yeah. uh, you know, the uh, uh, your your mojito is the, yes the uh sorry it's the lime uh,
1: the 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 yeah yes jolly good well i'm for- rather fortunate because um you know the reason why i don't need a muddler on my desktop bar is because the good people of fever tree do the muddling for me i see and they they like to muddle a bit of cucumber into some tonic water i see and and make it very simple for me to make one of these very fine mojitos uh with um with, with the nicest of English rums and most refreshing of lime and mint muddled, well, cucumber. Let me give this a try. Oh, that's delicious, Robert. That's really nice. I could drink one of these every week.
2: Well, very Perfect. nice. I think
1: you might. And what we are call, <laughs> we, we, calling that a mojito, are we?
2: Uh, yes, that would be this classic, the classic mojito. Mm, mm. Jolly
1: nice, and aside from um, I don't know. Are we going to Cuba with this? Where are we going to go this week?
2: We are going, well, uh, yeah, and it's on my bucket list. So, uh-huh. yes, yeah. I, I, I have a, you know, I mean, it's been obviously as an American, it's been very difficult to get to Cuba over the last, yes. you know, two decades. Um, well, more than that, really. Um, yes. It's gotten easier <laughs> of late, um, but still is no small endeavor to get there. Um, but I think that's where we need to go. We need to go to Cuba and that. basically hang out on a beach and drink some mojitos um, mm. and enjoy the, the, the Cuban lifestyle and enjoy some Cuban food. I think that's the that would be the key there. Yeah, I would, I would give wife, us a specific place to go, but I just don't know of any specific place to go. Yeah.
1: And you, you can just picture it. I mean, um, I think when me and my wife were living in the US the first time, so this is like twenty 20 years, 20 years ago, and nobody from America could go, but we could right but we never went for some reason it was just it was on our list and i think we end up going to miami instead or something like that and but it was um yeah somewhere that me and my wife have always fancied going to so yeah i, I love right. that idea so we're in right we're in cuba hopefully all the things we think about cuba are true the old american cars and all that good stuff and the lovely rum and the cigars and and so we're enjoying all of those things and conversation turns to marketing as it does sometimes with
2: us, Robert, what are we going to talk about? Well, this week we're going to talk about how exhausted we are. <laughs> we're, going to, <laughs> we're going to, take a little bit of a thing. Um, yeah, basically, uh, you know, here's the, here's the thing. It's, you know, didn't somebody say 2022 was going to be better?
1: Yes, they yeah. did, definitely said that.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, it, basically the the uh, you know when it, it's just tough, right? One of the things that I've noticed, however, you know, it, you know, basically is this: there's a weird kind of fatigue right now that's going on. You know, there's lockdown and there's, you know, pick mm-hmm. your doomsday scenario of what's going yeah. on. You know, climate change, court decisions, you know, all the kinds of things. Yeah. Um. That uh. That you've got, and you know, what happens is is that our first in- in- intuition is to manage expectations downward, right? To let people off the hook, right? You know, in terms of when we manage our teams. And I'll give you an example of this. And this is really true anytime, but it's just maybe especially true now, which is I was talking with a client last week, and they were talking about a struggle the, with a writer uh, on uh, on his team. and. He basically, you know, they said, you know, he continually produces work that just isn't good enough. I'm not sure what to do. Uh, And I said, well, have you considered raising the expectations for the writing quality with this person? And the client said, well, no, I'm just trying to get them to first base. If I can get a basic piece out of him, I'll count it as a win. I've been trying to manage his expectations about where he fits in. And that was sort of the clue for me, which is, so I've been in consulting you know 35 years now and yeah. every single firm big firm small firm etc that i've ever worked in whenever they say they all talk about managing expectations right managing your clients expectations managing your mm-hmm. you know your colleagues expectations managing your boss's expectations managing expectations is the is the sort of core theme there but here's the thing. In 35 years, that phrase has, you know, managing expectations, that phrase has never meant raising expectations. It's, <laughs> it's, you know, it means lowering the expectations. Yes. And, yeah. and the thing is, you know, the funny thing is you go Google managing expectations and, you know, you'll find variants of basically one piece of advice, which is communicate intentions clearly. And, yeah, mm-hmm. that's all well and good and everything. But basically what we have to ask ourselves is when we're managing expectations, is, am I communicating my expectations or am I trying to lower theirs? Um, right. you know, because when we think about that, you, know, you think about a feeling like you know, you've got this innovative, cool idea, this team thing that you want to do and it's all trying right now and uh, it's very pressure filled but we've got this awesome thing we want to do. What's the first thing we do when we take that to our bosses? we go, well, let's damp down the excitement a little bit because, you know, we want to manage their expectations. So we'll be sure that we meet them, right? You know, let's under promise and over deliver, we'll often say. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. the other side of that is that when we say, oh, we want to exceed expectations. Well, that's flawed too, right? That's, you know, Basically, that's like, you know, in, in in Spinal Tap, you know, when Nigel Tufnell basically goes, hey, well, this, this one goes to 11, you know. <laughs> and Rob yes. Reiner goes, well, why don't you just make 10 louder, right? It's like, that's, you know, <laughs> basically, if you feel the need to exceed expectations, at least one mm-hmm. of them, either your expectations or their expectations, isn't high enough. Yeah. And yeah. so... This whole thing is, of course, we have to make changes based on how fatigued we are in the current situations. You know, we can reprioritize projects, we can delegate them out, we can assess the quality and, you know, m- m- you know, alter the level of detail we need for our projects at the moment, balance the work across the team in a better way to account for personal stress levels. There are all things that we can do as managers, as leaders mm-hmm. of teams. But the one thing we shouldn't do is to lower our expectations, Right. And so when I was talking to my client, I was basically saying, instead of telling this writer that you're trying to get him to first base, tell them that you're expecting a home run, right? And, and you don't have to go for 11, right? You can go for 10 for whatever that means for both of you, but make sure that you're trying for the highest level you can, because then they want to do that. Then they would, if you raise your expectations to match your own, their expectations, you're going to get more of what you, what you want. And it's, that's just as yeah. helpful safety tip as we sort of navigate these troubling times.
1: Yeah. And I, I and that's interesting too, especially with, with the content writers and because if they did get them to first base and they wrote something, well, what value is that? Right. And then you're going to have to have, you, all you're doing is putting off another difficult conversation, aren't you? Which is, that's not quite the thing. Oh, but it, but you got, I got to first, first base, right? It, you have to express the thing you're expecting, haven't you?
2: That's right. You've got yeah. to. You, 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 you. know, it is clearly giving. You know, clearly setting the intentions right um, mm-hmm. and communicating those. But more often, it is. You know, what I find is is it that, is that if you set the expectations for everybody that. You know they're still high. You know our expectation for quality, our expectation for innovation, our expectation for creativity. Mm -hmm. You know we're all expecting to do great work. Well, one that helps you deliver, and there's actually a scientific, uh, psychological phenomenon there. It's called the Pygmalion effect, which basically, and research shows this that setting high expectations for people propels them to better results. Um, And so it is there is actually science behind that. So even despite the challenges we may face, we can adjust our expectations about what great high quality work is. And basically, you know, don't, don't basically say, oh yeah, it's, it's so totally cool if you do crappy work because we understand your stress. It's like, no, we still want to do great work. But what we want to do is in context with, you know, obviously the things that we need to do to, to balance people's, you know, psyche. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I mean, and, uh, I mean, I know that this isn't just about content, but you using that example is, I mean, I think that will do is the, is the reason why there's so much shit content, right? It's, that's right. We've done it. The blog post is done. Oh, done. And that's it. That'll do. And then on to the next thing. Right? So that's the, exactly. that's the challenge, isn't it? Yeah. And it's much easier, isn't it? To, to say, well, that'll do. And thanks rather than say, actually what I was looking for was this. And I think our customer is looking for this. It's not really that. You know?
2: Yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, that's a good thing. So, um, so we're all exhausted. I like that idea. <laughs> Certainly yeah, subscribe to right? that. We all need um, a break. But we all need a break. But on the other hand, we should still set the bar to do good work with this. That's cool. So, uh, so Robert, uh, where are you sharing such thoughts of like this when you're not exhausted and you're sitting your by and high?
2: It's all about our little hovel on the web. Uh, where mm-hmm. we draw on the cave walls. It's called contentadvisory.net. <laughs>
1: You've recently spiffed it up. You're going to have to stop calling it a hovel, I think. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so contentadvisory.net. We've spiffed
2: net. it up a little bit, yeah. We've yeah. done some of the more modern yeah. techniques, as it were.
1: and then when people spin the dial on the internet and they want to talk to you directly where would they go Robert
2: uh you know LinkedIn is the best place for me I that's where I Mm -hmm. I I love to spend my time connecting with people but of course Twitter as well you know Twitter Mm -hmm. Twitter for the fun um sort of short elements and LinkedIn for more quality connections splendid and of course
1: I have to mention experience advisors as I do Uh, because it's such a fun community how's that going
2: it's going very well thank you for asking it's yeah experienceadvisors.io and if any of you are consultants or brand managers and basically spend your life creating customer experiences or putting the strategy behind them we'd love to have you over there that's what the community is all about come on over to experiences experienceadvisors.io and apply today splendid and i'll include a link to that in the show notes but more personally
1: important to me is will you be in the barn with us next week
2: i absolutely will and i hope you get the luau sorted out yeah this is great <laughs> i have to google what one is first yeah. but
1: yes excellent i'm glad i've enjoyed that Nice. <laughs> all right mate, i'll see you next week absolutely cheers thank you bye Thank you, Robert. Setting the bar in the bar there, as usual. So that's a wrap on episode 125 of the Rockstar CMO effing Marketing Podcast. I've been your host, Ian Truscott. Thanks again to Michelle, Jeff and Robert for sharing their insight. Please say hello to them. I'll include all their links in the show notes, which you can find on your favourite podcast app or at rockstarcmo.com, where you can find all our previous episodes. But most of all, thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. So does the world need another effing marketing podcast? Let us know on the socials or drop a rating or review in your favorite podcast app or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, Jeff is back in the marketing studio. I go backstage with CEO of Loomly and Sendable, Caitlin Sorensen. And Robert will be back in our virtual bar. Until then, have a great week. And I hope you'll again join us here next week on Rockstar CMO FM.
2: This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.